this were like a playoff game, would, would, would Justin's status be the same? Yeah, it would be. Yes, it would be the same. You know, like I said, it's not long term, but he's just not able to go full speed. You know, I asked him how it was today. He said it's still real sore. So, with all due respect to Nathan Peterman, and that, of course, is the voice of uh, Matt Eberflus, and you're listening to Mully and Haw. Would a not full speed Justin Fields be better than Nathan Peterman? Yes, absolutely. That would be true. And with all due respect to Matt Eberflus, again, if the Bears were playing in a playoff game and Justin Fields had. Uh, a hip issue that was plaguing him. Are you telling me that he wouldn't be on the field? He would have to come be on. on the field. Come on now. Come on. There's. I mean, that's just the whole thing is silly. But that was beyond. That's that. That now your now your credibility falls into question. And and it's a shame because Matt Eberflus yeah. has done a nice job this season of building up that kind of credibility because of the way he's handled this team through the longest losing streak in its history. Yeah. And which, now they're going to quits principle. Uh, you said it well. <laughs> well, it's from the hits principle to the quits principle. From the hits principle to the hips principle to the quits principle. <laughs> A lot of acronyms. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's get uh Fred on. Fred is in Downers Grove. Hi Fred. Yeah, hi guys. Oh, oh damn Fred. it Fred. It's not your fault, but unfortunately there's some helium in the in the phone line or something, and we got to have you call back. Daryl is listening on the Odyssey app. Hey, Daryl. Good morning, guys. And um, you know, I, I, I was on hold, and I, I wanted to wish uh, Miss McCaskey a happy birthday. Sure. I think she epitomizes um, Bear fans. You know, we, we see her in the stands, and she's a hundred years old now, and and. Uh, you know, I just want to wish her a happy birthday, but it's it's a, a bit of a down, a downer, so to speak, when Brad Biggs get on and talks about the the outlook of the Bears, and um, I don't think it's as dire as he he says as far as uh, you know. I know the passing game; we need we need some work, we need some help, but I think we should be a little optimistic because we do have a playmaker back there, and if you look at the uh, what four thousand yard passes that he's talked about? I don't know who he was referring to. Maybe uh, Jared Goff or Stafford and Rodgers and, and those type of players. They they haven't won multiple Super Bowls, and we ha- we've had Cutler, and um, he didn't exhume confidence in the fandom that he would make a play when we needed one. But I think we have something in this kid if we stick with him and we surround him like everyone is saying. So. Uh, you know, you guys have a good day. And right, thanks for the phone the call. Thanks for the phone call. Let, let, and I, I think confidence needs to be assumed because <laughs> it's dead and buried, David. I would agree with you. I definitely would agree with you. <laughs> Look, when Brad says what he says about Justin Fields as a pastor, when we evaluate him and what he's accomplished this season and look at him objectively, Please, it bears repeating. It's not criticizing him necessarily as it is just, just being honest about what he's done and what he hasn't done. He has taken a step this year. He has given the Bears a lot to consider. Mm. To me, he's made Ryan Poles' mind up for him because you have so many other questions. You can't really consider changing course at quarterback. But let's not see what's not there. And that's all Brad was saying is that when you talk about the responsibility to elevate your passing game to where it needs to be. Yeah, they need more offensive linemen to protect him. Yes, they need receivers that are capable of 
getting open. But also, Justin Fields has to do some of the, thing, some of the things necessary for him to improve as well. A lot of people having fun, uh, just the way life is. Let's try Tony. Tony is in Wonder Lake. Hi, Tony. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good, Tony. Good. You know, uh, I want to agree to disagree with you guys about the comment and then your take on it after it happened. I do agree with you that Fields would be in the game if this was a playoff situation. Right. However, putting the DeMar Hamlin situation aside, which is terrible, and please, everybody continue to pray for this kid, but the NFL for the last 15 years has been stressing so much the safety of the game. I think given the current situation and the policies in place already, he did the right thing. You don't want to jeopardize the health of the athlete for a game. And I think given the current situation, he's totally justified. Well, taking I, I mean, I appreciate your comment, Tony, but I don't think this has anything to do. He's saying that this is a week-to-week injury, game-to-game thing that he always says. He's saying that he just couldn't play this week, regardless of whether it was the finale meaningless or the – this has – these are – you're confusing a couple of issues here. This has nothing to do with um, with the, the the situation um, with with again, you know, a cardiac arrest situation where uh, um, the the um, hit that a player take. I mean, this is a to- we're confusing these things. This has absolutely nothing to do. It's not about with player DeMar, safety. Uh, um, uh, Hamlin, it's just not. It's not about players. No, and and I mean, let's not confuse concussion protocol and and that sort of thing either. This is a, this is really sort of a one in a million. Type, this is a rarity. This is a very rare yeah, occurrence. It's a freakish and a, accident and a horrible thing. And we are all praying for him and hoping for him. But I don't think to connect a guy with a hip strain to that is is. Remotely, no, I don't, I don't think that's a leap that I'm willing to make either. No. It's, it doesn't seem logical to me. No, which by the way, Adam Schefter from ESPN uh, reports tweets out that Demar Hamlin's father Mario addressed the entire Bills team on a Zoom call right. last night to personally update everyone in attendance on his son. And Mario Hamlin said that he told the Bills that Demar was making progress, and in the words of one source, the team needed to hear it. So that's that's progress. That's a positive report from Buffalo, and your your prayers and hopes and thoughts remain with Demar Hamlin. Absolutely, but that has nothing to do with Justin Fields sitting out Sunday no, with no, a hip no. situation, no. a hip strain, or whatever the oh injury. Oh. They uh, we we got a we got an interrupt. We interrupt this program to have Dustin argue with that fact. Wait. So you're saying? Okay. I just want to clarify because we were having a conversation about our little phone thing for a second, yeah. is you don't you don't think you could connect a dot between Justin Fields not playing this week to what happened in Cincinnati on Monday night? I am not connecting that no. dot at all, those dots at no. all. Let me connect it for you. Oh, no. If, if, if again, now, when I read the Hold word on, complaining, let me get my Hold on a when I read the word complaining, <laughs> that was in a tweet that Justin Fields came in on Monday complaining, right? I'm saying, could the events... Could the events of Monday, and Iberflu spent some time on this in general, didn't name names, talking about players being potentially afraid and hesitant to play based on what they saw and witnessed on Monday Night Football. So I don't see how you can't. 
connect. I'm not saying that's the reason, but it could be a factor if there were five things that he was cons- like. Why would I take an unnecessary hit on Sunday? especially after seeing that, plus I don't feel good, plus the offensive line is broken down, plus I don't want to be remembered as the all-time leading quarterback rusher. I mean, you could put all these things together and connect the dot. I don't think it's that wackadoodle. Well, I think that it is until we hear from Justin Fields. Well, that's uh, another question. I asked Biggs off the air if he thought that we might. You guys brought it up, too. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was on the air or off the air. But will we hear from Justin Fields until, like, minicamp? When's the next time... We will hear from Justin Fields. But in the interim, we ought to put all sorts of thoughts. Uh, uh, we ought to articulate I, our belief of what I, he's doing. I don't think. Isn't I don't that think our job. Well, but no. but Dustin, I think that knowing what we Is know it our about our job or your job, I don't know. I think Justin Fields has been somebody who has been clear about his desire to play, and we have seen him play through pain uh, and injury before. I think that he likely would based on that, want to play every conceivable snap that he can. How Monday night affected him, we can't tell. I don't know. Every player, we talked about the mental health of the league and the players and and how important it is. So I don't want to diminish or dismiss that, but to me it would be a big leap to make. I don't think it's an assumption I'm willing to make right now. I have a hard time seeing the Bears, which I think – as Molly pointed out, they're making this decision for either draft implications or to protect the franchise quarterback, but likely draft implications. I don't know that that's related to what happened Monday night. I just don't. 312-644-6767. Let's try Dave. Dave's on the south side. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I love the pick six, and it's great on the treadmill to get your heart rate up. But yesterday's uh, topic of the highest-paid Chicago athletes and four and five being bulls. Either of you guys have an issue being a major market and not hearing White Sox, Cubs, Bears? I'll hang up and listen. It's a good question. It was obvious that the players in the top five, the, the, the four of them were Bulls, right? It was four of the five. Zach, DeMar, the big Marcus three. Marcus Stroman was the only. The big three. And again, that's from Lonzo last Ball year, right? That, and that's, Marcus Stroman. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's. That's not include the Cubs did spend some money. I wonder if Dansby uh, Swanson at twenty five would he would he I think fit into that? That might be. Uh, I don't know the highest paid, but but uh, Jason Hayward I mean, would have been on that list before. Um, yeah, Jason Jason Hayward. Jay Hay. Yes. So, so yeah, so it's a little again. The other thing is, I think it's really interesting just to tie it up with the Andrew Benatendi signing, which is the richest contract that White Sox have given out. The other thing we learned yesterday. Um, is that it's only like thirteen million the first year. In other words, they are that is a staggered payment. Yeah. So they would have money if they there's still money available it's if deferred. indeed they want to. Yes, if in they a big wanna, way. If they want to actually sign someone, that, are um, we going to make a show decision? I guess we have to bring Dustin back into the conversation oh, here. No, uh, no, no. Please do. Please come back. Come back. Oh no. <laughs> so is he? going to be Benny to us, as he was referred to yesterday. Is he Benny, or is he Andrew Benintendi? Benintendi. Well, the Sox are big on the nicknames, right? I mean, every organization inside the building, but it seems like the Sox share them more, right? Like, they're they're more vocal. Like, when they refer to a guy, they mm-hmm. go nickname. They go I nickname. inside the buildings, everybody's like, we we all have nicknames here, and that they always don't make the air. Renteria did some that. Some of them aren't allowed on the air. What, are, what is your nickname? <laughs> like, I, I get people, so when I'm out and about, Okay, in Elmhurst, I get a lot of Dustinos. 
Okay. Right? That's you. Yeah. And, and, that, and you, yeah. you will use that. You will use that on the air sometimes because yes. that's how they know about it. You okay. will use that in here sometimes. I and do. you will use that when you call me on the phone sometimes. Have a beef fry. It's affection. That's affection. The fry man. The fry man. <laughs> the fry right? man. What, what is, uh... No, nothing's wrong with it. My point is they seem, of all the, of all the organizations in town, it seems like the what White is, Sox what's refer David's to. nickname? <laughs> I don't have a nickname. Oh, yes. What do we call him I, behind my, his back? To me, the one that makes me laugh is Mr. David. Oh, Mr. Oh, David. That's a reference yeah, to... Yeah. Um, I understand the reference. Yeah. I just, I, the that, thing, was, uh, that was Tommy, Tommy Harris. Tommy yeah, Harris. Tommy I just find that, I find that funny. David when, when and, Mr. Yeah. David. We sometimes. called you Mr. David after that forever. forever. You used yeah. it sometimes. Brad. Big yeah. uses it quite Biggs a bit. Does a yeah. lot. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. you know, that's... You know, Big Dave, the other one, and and we have him on tomorrow, Jeff Joniak. Big Dave, Big Mike, you know. That, like, that's Jeff, though. That's, that's Jeff. That's Jeff's that's thing. A, right. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, my point is, is that the White Sox, you were asked about the, the White Sox yeah. seem to go out of there, and sometimes you don't know who they're talking about. Like, Rami. Like, you know, yes. Rami hasn't been really part of the White Sox, but, yes, but he's already got a nickname, and, and that's how the general manager no, is referring to him. his name is Rami Gonzalez. Right. I mean, I think that's his, his name. I don't think that's a nickname, is it? <laughs> I think it is his name. And you only is is he he hasn't you know when you only refer to the person by one part of their name they need to have earned it. Lopi Ronaldo Lopez. He was always been Lopi to uh, I think Rick Renteria started that. So I don't know. I think there's only to me Lope. unless uh, there's only one Benny in town that matters. That's yeah. Benny the Bull. You are absurd. I just I can't um, really go there. Brandon, with ben, have ben you ever yet. had a nickname? I got. I think it's very funny. Me. Well, I was going to ask Brandon oh, if Brandon. he's ever had a nickname because you said you didn't have one other than Dustin pointing out your Mr. Dave. Brandon, uh, do you have a nickname? People on the score call me like Fry Guy or Fry Man or oh, really? Fryer. Yeah, Fry just, Guy. Yeah. Fry Guy. I like Fryer fry guy. is your name though. I mean, that's I like Fry Guy. Mr. Fryer sometimes. Yes, they better. I've never heard that. And you actually go by your nickname on I, the air. I don't have. You know what's funny? I was going to say I don't have a nickname, yes, and then I realized you I'm are called Mully nickname. here. It's Brandon. I've never been Mully. It's Brandon Mully. Other than on the on radio. This, by the way. What's <laughs> that? We could spend three hours on Mully. I know. It's Brandon. Yeah. I think it, was it Mitch who called me Mully? How did I get Mully? It's a radio well, creation. It, was it Mitch or was it's it Genius? Um, There's going to be a documentary one day. No, yeah. I want a roast. I don't want a documentary. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to a roast. Okay, and I want just a, get that I want, I want a Matabatacola, that thing. Molly, the origin story. Uh, that yeah. would be fun. Oh, huh? So, yeah. For other, other nicknames, though, you have gone by uh, in the past. I, I was um, I was Muggs uh, for when I was a kid. Muggsy. Muggs. And, you know, I've got some friends on the East Coast. Anyone named Mulligan apparently is called Muggs. Which I, you know, was bizarre. Uh, I, I was little mugs because my brother was mugs. I don't think my oldest brother's ever been mugs, but um, mull, there right? Because I'm going to mull it over. Mm-hmm. Magic feet for a brief period. Uh-huh. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I believe oh, that's going to stick. Well, that's you know what's funny? I think I, you know, I used to write under a pseudonym, and I referred to myself. In, in you know in quotations as Mike uh, Magic Feet Mulligan, it was just a joke for me with my friends. But uh, that's yeah. a good one though. I remember uh, that now. Yeah, well, you will. Magic that was, Feet. That was just a joke. I think I yelled that out before I got the ball and then dribbled. Through well, the sports brings a different level yes. of nicknames when you're a former athlete or whatever the case but, may be. But Mike is a nickname. Yeah. I'm a Michael. I just was never Shortened called name. Michael by anyone right. ever including my wife who met me at the newspaper and called me Mike. So I always know people right. from my hometown um, 
would call will call me Dave. So I know if somebody calls me Dave, they're from your hometown. It's, yeah, it's for people I've known for longer. Have you ever had any other nicknames? Uh, oh, you're not going to share. Yeah. Well, yeah. In, I don't know if it's flattering or unflattering, but when I was in college, I played, you know, at Ball State, and I was a safety. And then the only reason I played really early was because wasn't because I was fast, I was slow. Wasn't because I was big, because I wasn't. It was because I was I could read, I could diagnose things quickly, so I got to be known as the professor. Oh yeah, that's good. Well, it, that takes me back to like ABC Seven Days, like it, Brad Palmer. Yeah, but it wasn't really in a flattering way. It was more like right. signed to me because you're, of my limitations. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You're the, oh, you're the cerebral guy. Okay. You're the thinker. Yeah. I, I, I was I, I was briefly nicknamed the thinker, but that's because I had this tendency to rest my yeah. chin upon my. You do that often during breaks. Yes. You just gotta ponder what just happened during that previous segment. And what did How, Dustin, where, Dustin just? Where say? did Dustin's interruption ruin the program? Let me just contemplate. Dustino's that. interruption. Dustino, excuse me. Yes, call him the right so he can. So he has some street cred in Elmhurst. Come on, you're, Dustin. You're, I do get that when I'm out. Dustino, and I look like that Molly's going to be in a bar in Elmhurst. Uh, yeah. Hey, Molly, what does your wife call you now? Is a texter. It is just um, a family program, and I don't want to get. She calls me Mike. Okay. That's the name she knew me by because Taylor Bell, when I first started working at the paper, felt Michael Mulligan was too much alliteration. So we. I became Mike Mulligan. See, I, I think there's nothing wrong with a little alliteration. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Mulligan sounds very distinguished. Um, yeah, maybe my nephew. <laughs> he's, he's a Michael Mulligan working on his doctorate. So my brother and my father uh, were named Michael, so I... Were they really? Yeah. Oh, Michael Hall's a good name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You could uh, You could be like a state's attorney, that name. I suppose that would be a state's attorney's name. I would be more like bag man for the mob with my name, <laughs> paying off a state's attorney. Well, but you clearly earned the label magic feet for some reason. Uh, I I did give that to myself yeah, I know, as a joke. That's going to stick for a while, though. Yeah. Wasn't there a movie, Magic? Magic Mike? Okay. Yeah, that was about a male stripper. <laughs> I've never earned that designation. Whoa! Well, with the help of soda, I mean, maybe, right? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. State of the art. State of the art. Yeah. There we go. 312-644-6767. You know what we're going to do? We're going to bring in Bruce Levine, and we're going to talk some baseball. Thank we'll ask God. him for his ES, and we'll get uh, – maybe Dustin will interrupt him. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Referred to myself. In, in you know in quotations as Mike Magic Feet Mully. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider, covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host, alongside our own David Ha. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover in the next two hours. How are you doing this morning, buddy? Great being with you like we are every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, I asked the first hard question. With Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Always a delight to talk to our friend Bruce Levine, and he joins us 
on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank Making Commercial Banking Personal. Bruce, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Great talking some baseball f- uh, with oh. you on a, a January day with uh, both uh, the Cubs and White Sox making moves yesterday. Where do you want to begin? Well, let's begin on the south side. First of all, it does warm our hearts, the, the hot stove league. But uh, I, I thought as interesting as it was to just have uh, Andrew uh, Benatendi tell us that the, that the Sox were the first team to contact him in free agency and then uh, the initial – um, a, a conversation was a lot earlier than than maybe we had anticipated. Um, I also thought it was really interesting to hear Rick Hahn say that um, that they do not perceive themselves as a finished product at this time. That is yes. uh, that's interesting because, man, why would you? I mean, there are there are holes to fill, Bruce, and and I would argue that uh, that you still need a second baseman. I don't care what players they've had in the minor leagues, and you still need a right fielder. I know that's probably going to be Oscar Colas, but you you still could use a catcher. Um, I, I just think that there are there are problem areas on the roster that are going to show themselves at some point or other. Yeah, you know, uh, David and I talked on Inside the Clubhouse uh, last week about a lot of these things, Mike, and, and the, the reality is what you said is true. Uh, I think... Second base, you know, is a guess right now for them. There, there are some young players in the system that, you know, could fill the role. But, you know, again, we, we go we roll back to, what, three years ago, four years ago now, where Rick Hahn said we, we want a seat at the table. We're going for a championship. That has not changed. And we heard it yesterday in the press conference uh, with, uh, you know, Ben Attendi and uh, Grafal talking about the fact that, you know, this is, you know, a team that's looking for a championship. That said... You know, the catching situation, you know, with all due respect, you know, to uh, the people that are there right now, uh, they need some depth there. There, there, There's no question that that, uh, when Rick talked about this uh, the other night, that uh, they don't feel like they're a finished product. I I got the same feeling uh, that you did, Mike, and that is that uh, there's going to be moves made and that it might be a trade rather than free agency. The free agent... uh, situation right now uh, if you look at the players available there, there's not a lot of star power or, or uh, players that you would say are uh, guys that can catch 80 90 games and on a championship team so with that in mind a catcher or second baseman basically what we're talking about is more depth on a team that can't afford to lose players you know from injury who are the backups Right. I think that that is the key for the Chicago White Sox the rest of the way. Bruce, I think Pedro Grafal was a no-nonsense guy in a hire, and some of the, his rhetoric has reflected that. And then yesterday, it's I, I don't want to say it surprised me, but it did stand out when he talked about Aloy accepting the DH role, but also maybe playing a little right field. It seemed as if if he's your DH, he's your DH. Then you don't need to pander and say, well, you know what, he still could play the outfield. When he's in the outfield, it's a bad idea. Something has gone terribly wrong. What did you make of what he said about Aloy in the outfield? Uh, I was interested in that as well, David. Uh, you know, I think everybody wants to know at age 26 or 27, you know, does, uh, does he accept that role? And what does that mean uh, when a player is told, well, you're no longer an outfielder, you're a DH? Well, it, it should normally mean to everybody, look, uh, I, uh, I accept that. I can hit wherever it's at. 
But then you have you have players like uh, like Jose Abreu who said, I don't want to ever be a DH. Uh, that's not in my DNA. I want to be out there and be a complete player. I think Eli's put a lot of work into being a better outfielder. Daryl Boston, the outfield coach, has worked extremely hard with him. You see them 1.30 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon before night games working extremely hard on it. I, I don't think – I think he's improved. You know, he's not going to have a lot of range ever in the outfield. Th- that That's not the problem. The problem is, you know, keeping him healthy, getting 140-plus games out of him. 600 at bats so he can do damage it's almost a guarantee that if he gets 600 at bats you're going to get 30 plus you're going to get 90 to 100 plus and and what we saw from him a few years back it's much better than that it's 40 and it's 110 or 120 so getting that bat keeping it on the field i've talked about this myself for for years now that you have to protect certain players from trying to hurt from from being hurt because they're they have soft bodies. It's not a, ref, a bad reflection on uh, on Jimenez that he does have a body like that, but it's a reality. Go back to his first year in uh, in baseball with the Cubs. He's had injuries every single year, and 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 he's worked extremely hard to stay strong. He's worked hard to be a better player. He's the DH, and uh, I, I agree with you, David. You know, I would have preferred to hear. You know, you're the DH, and you're going to embrace that. And when we need you in the outfield, you'll be ready. Yeah, it, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting, I think, because um, it, you don't – I mean, I, I think one of the great things that, that uh, Ben Attendee does is allow you to use Eloy at, uh, at DH. But you wonder if, um, based on the conversation, if – you know, I mean, how much – is uh, is is uh, Yasmani Grandal going to catch? Does that mean he will play some DH when he's not catching? Um, you know, you wonder about uh, uh, Sheets, Gavin Sheets. Will he be a DH if he's not playing first base? And I just think there's a there's like a whole series of issues because you played guys in the outfield, Vaughn as well. Yeah, I think you're right, Mike. Again, it goes back to my my first. Uh, you know, statement about depth. Okay, so what if Colas doesn't work out in right field? Right. What's your answer? What's your Cespedes. answer? There? Is it? That was a okay, joke. Fine. That was a joke. Oh, no, but I mean. But I, my, I said to David, what about Robert? Like, what if he goes down? Who's playing? You know, is Adam Engel gone? Could you bring him back on a next to nothing deal because yeah, I, you could I, use again, a f- I, center field? When I when I would talk to you know some of the managers, the general managers of the past and, and in recent times. That they they a championship t- team to them is you build from the back of your team. Okay, you have your star players, but in the off season you build from the back, and that is you solidify the bullpen, you solidify the fourth or fifth starter, you solidify your bench, so that if somebody goes down, somebody can play for two weeks or four weeks, and there's not a huge drop off. Now in today's game, it's different because there's so much so much money paid to the starters that there's very little left for the extra guys who are essential to be able to win. Look what Andres did for the White Sox last year, okay? He kept them competitive up until the last couple weeks of the season uh, by being out there because Anderson couldn't play anymore. Uh, That was huge for the White Sox. A a move like Andres, a couple moves like that, that I'm sure that's what uh, Rick Hahn's looking for, and I think that's that's what it needs to be a championship-caliber team not only not only uh, opening day, but 
on, on the 4th of July, on September 1st, all those dates where you have enough depth to win a championship. So, Bruce, the Cubs introduced their new catcher or their part-time catcher, Tucker Barnhart, will share time with Jan Gomes. Thought it was interesting that Wade Miley recommended the Cubs to Barnhart, former teammate in Cincinnati, and then Miley goes and uh, signs with the Brewers. But in Barnhart, the Cubs get a defensive-minded catcher, somebody that's going to be very solid, framing, throwing, all the things that you want in your catcher. How many games does he catch? Is it split time down the middle with Gomes? And, and what else does he bring to Chicago? Yeah, arguably, uh, that's what he does, David. I think Gomes caught about 70 games last year, and that's great. And that's, that's probably, you know, 70 to 90. Now that Contreras is gone, it, you know, you can – Gomes is, a, you know, even at his age, he's a physical specimen. So you could probably put him in for 90. But, you know, Barnhart – who had a down year last year uh, is a really good defensive catcher, like you said. So, from that perspective, they're not going to be looking around to see, uh, you know, who can catch when uh, they have to rest Gomes. It's going to be Barnard. And split down the middle, I think, is a really good idea. He throws well, uh, as we've talked about before, a two-time Gold Glover. Uh, he he's going to have a, a, probably a pretty good year with the Cubs. I, I just like having professional catchers who the manager has signed off on, who, who they, they believe in, and the pitching people believe in. These days, when a team goes out to get a catcher to add to their uh, roster, the metrics department has an awful lot to say about, well, here's why we think this guy's going to fit in and why. And the manager, as in the case of David Ross, has an awful lot to say about who comes in. Uh, obviously, he's going to be pretty finicky about who catches for him. And as we saw with uh, Wilson Contreras leaving town and not being offered a contract, uh, that was not their catcher of the future. So uh, I, I think this is a good mix, and uh, I think defensively and play uh, and pitch selection calling, I think they're in good shape. Bruce, just uh, out of curiosity, are you hearing anything at all about Carlos Correa? About anybody, any other team jumping back in, or is he definitely going to be a Met? And could that impact? availability for infielders in other words if uh, if he were to go somewhere else could that open up something if he stays in New York could, would they be willing to move someone how uh, how realistic is it to expect any kind of change yeah I, I think that I think that's a that's a really good question Mike uh, you know we don't know where he's going to end up and for how much I mean has, has his marketplace been uh, impacted permanently does, does he sign a a six-year deal for $33 million a year. Uh, is, is that what the, all of this waiting time has been telling us? But the depth of whatever team adds him is going to be uh, certainly uh, more fortified. And I think, you know, teams like the, the Cubs and White Sox will probably be looking for uh, players that will be available because of him signing. It, it's such a peculiar story uh, be, because we, we, don't, we have not once but twice a guy signing what he thought was a $300 million contract and people putting on the break. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Also interesting to watch the rest of the week, obviously, uh, Eric Hosmer joining the Chicago Cubs. I think that's a that's going to be an interesting signing for, of depth for the Chicago Cubs in more than just a few ways, you know, as far as uh, his experience and how this impacts Mervis, uh, both uh, – as a uh, teammate and as a uh, player on the field. Bruce, we have 60 seconds, but you mentioned 
Correa. We know the Dodgers are looking for a shortstop. We broached this last Saturday when you mentioned maybe Tim Anderson would be somebody the Dodgers may call the White Sox about. Do you have any more thoughts on that, and is that still a possibility in your mind? I think so. Just listening to uh, what Rick Hahn said about we're not finished yet, uh, I don't think he just meant uh, adding some depth to the team. I think he, he really would be considering a, making a big deal, okay? And a big deal, you know, could include, uh, you know, a star that you're not expecting that to, to be traded. You know, would you, would you consider trading Mancata in a deal? You know, would you contri- we heard rumors early in the year about Giolito being combined in a year with only a, a year or so left on his contract. So with all that in mind, uh, you know, the Dodgers, who have a lot of holes in their team, even though they won 111 last year, uh, they, they need fortification. They seem like a really good match, and we talked about that. And I, I think that uh, is going to keep looking around for for those for those type of situations there. But I wouldn't preclude the idea that uh, you know a big name from the White Sox goes for a big name from a, a, another another player on one of the other 29 teams. Great stuff, Bruce. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Bruce. All right, guys, have a great day. Nick Costos will join us next. We'll find out uh, did the did the line of the Bears game move because of Justin Fields or was it because of information out of Minnesota? We'll ask him that question next. It's Mullion Hall on the score. I want winners. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We've got uh, we've got Nick Costos. He is on the line, the host of You Better You Bet, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Insider Calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the You Better You Bet podcast for more of Nick Costos. Just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. And Nick joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Good morning, Nick. How are you? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Happy New Year. Thank you, buddy. Right back at you. We are um, we are wondering, uh, the Bears obviously are not going to play Justin Fields in the season finale, and we saw the line uh, move. It was, I think the look-ahead line was like a pick and then you found out that uh, Minnesota was going to be playing uh, their team. It got to like three or two and a half or something. And now with fields out, it's seven and a half or eight where you find it. Um, I think probably correctly. I don't have a lot of faith in the Bears this week, but was it unusual to see the line move that quickly and that fast? No, it's, it's Nathan Peterman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so it's not about fields. It's about Peterman. Well, well, it's, well, it's not like it's not like when Trey Lance got hurt for the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo came and it's like a backup quarterback you trust. I mean, we it's like Washington's playing Dallas this week, right? And Sam Howell starting for Washington. Sam Howell might be terrible. He also like might be good. Like we don't know. We haven't seen him yet. The the book is out, or should I say, the catalog, the Peterman catalog. the The catalog is out on Nathan Peterman, Very and he's well played. and he's and he's absolutely brutal. And by the way, that's great news for the Bears. This is a great day for the Bears organization, which has showed fans that it's smart enough to know it has to lose this game. I don't think doctors rule Justin Fields out. I think Ryan Poles ruled Justin Fields out. Like, hey, buddy, like we you can win the rushing, like set the rushing record for a quarterback next year. We don't need you in this game here. The Bears should lose, and if the Texans are 
dumb enough to win. This is going to set up as one of the most important days for the Bears organization in a long time. And Lovey Smith's most important day for the Bears in Super Bowl 41 as the head coach of the Houston Texans against the Indianapolis Colts. So no, like the numbers should be huge in this game. Minnesota needs to win because Minnesota can still get the two seed if San Francisco loses to Arizona. Very unlikely with Arizona set to start David Blau. That's his name. That name again is David Blau. But still, Minnesota's got to win. So this is Vikings or nothing. Uh, the Bears are going to lose. The Bears should lose. Uh, I would only bet Minnesota in the game. I think if you want to bet it, tease the Vikings down to minus one and a half, along with the Cleveland Browns up to plus eight and a half on the road in Pittsburgh. So, Nick, appropriately this this week, the focus has been on DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills and his recovery and, and everything related to that tragedy on Monday Night Football. I wonder, as it has shaken the league, how it has affected the lines for these games, if at all. What has been the biggest impact uh, in, in your world from what's happened on, what happened on Monday night? Well, I think the biggest thing is not necessarily anything that's going to happen in Week 18. It's going to be how the AFC playoff seeding is going to shake out. Um, obviously, all of this is, I will just say this even though I don't think it needs to be said, but people are very sensitive and like to get mad about everything. Obviously, all of this is immaterial compared to the health of the young man, but like we do, we talk about sports, we talk about betting, we talk about all of these things, so it, ha- it has to be said. If Buffalo had beaten Cincinnati and then beaten the Patriots on Sunday, the Bills would be the number one seed in the AFC. Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio reporting overnight that momentum is building towards the the Bills-Bengals game not being played again, and then the AFC playoff seeding being decided based on winning percentage, which would mean if Kansas City beats the Raiders on Saturday, where I'm going to bet the Raiders in the game, because I think the Raiders can keep the game close, but Kansas City's a nine and a half point favorite, like very likely to win the game. Kansas City will be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs, which is like obviously kind of like resets how we think the Super Bowl picture is going to play out where if you liked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl like you probably like them a little less now if they have to go on the road for the third straight year to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs now there's no good answer for what the NFL can do here someone's going to have a gripe no matter what we'll see what they end up doing but uh, David for me like that's the biggest impact it's not anything this weekend it's what's going to happen now in the AFC playoffs what uh, what do you like this weekend? And, you know, oftentimes, as much as d- desperation would seemingly indicate who's going to win or who isn't, it doesn't always work that way. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I, I don't know if people will remember this, but even like back in 2004, the Bills hosted the Steelers in the final game of the year. This was Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year when Pittsburgh went 15-1. and The Steelers sat everybody. Buffalo played their starters in Buffalo, and the Steelers killed them in the game. That was Willie Parker's coming out party. So just because a team has to win doesn't mean that, A, they're going to win, or, B, they have to cover a point spread, right? Two different things, winning and covering your spread. Just something to keep in mind. So a couple games for Sunday. I'll try to get through these as quick as possible. There's some nuance associated here. So Tampa's playing in Atlanta on Sunday. The game is meaningless. Tampa's locked into the four seed, cannot improve its seed. Um, Todd Bowles said on Monday they were going to play their starters. There's no chance they play the starters the entire game. It's going to be like a preseason game. The Bucks will play Brady and the starters for like a possession or two. Maybe they get a touchdown and, and they get sat immediately. If and when that happens, live betting is not done by a person. A person doesn't set those numbers, the live numbers. It's an algorithm based on what the closing spread of the game is. What does that mean? It means you may get a great opportunity to bet Atlanta live in the game. If Tampa scores early and you see Blaine Gabbert's about to come into the game, the live market will not like take that into account. You may get a chance to bet the Atlanta Falcons live if that scenario unfolds. As for as for the actual games on Sunday, um, I like Carolina, plus three and a half on the road in New Orleans. They're playing to get the interim coach Steve Wilkes the full-time job. Anything 
anything above three. If Cleveland is ever three on the road in Pittsburgh, Browns plus three, you can tease the Browns along with the Minnesota Vikings. Something to watch out for in the Chargers-Broncos game. If the Ravens lose to the Bengals, which is the expectation, Cincinnati's a seven-point favorite. Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced yet this week. The Chargers will be locked into the five seed and will have nothing to play for against Denver. If that happens, Justin Herbert and company will not play in the game. Denver will be extremely likely to win. Denver is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the market. Uh, Do with that what you will. Sunday night football is the Packers and the Lions. I'm sure that Bears fans will be rooting for two teams on Sunday, or three teams. We'll be rooting for the Vikings, we'll be rooting for the Houston Texans, and then we'll be rooting for the Lions to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. I think the, I don't know if the Lions will win the game, but I do think they will cover the spread, guys. I'll take the Lions plus four and a half on the road in Green Bay. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Uh, you guys got it. Wishing you guys and all your great listeners. Minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best luck. And Molly, I'll just add this. It does feel like, as soccer fans, the United States has now arrived as a proper footballing nation. Now that we have uh, we have A-plus level tabloid fodder going on oh right my. now. It's like, we're nope. here, man. Now we might actually win in 2026. Okay. Oh, that's hysterical. Great stuff, Nick. Thank you. You got it. That was the host of You Better You Bet, Odyssey Sports betting insider Nick Costos. Insider Calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Yeah, what is wrong with your sport? I, we got we to gotta mention that story. Uh, it, it's just hysterical. We'll do that next. Molly and Hall on the score.